What's up, everyone? Welcome back. Man, did we have a good conversation. We went to every which way, every corner that you can possibly think of. We were talking about temples. We were talking about pyramids, aliens coming here, time travel, um, war, World War Three, Putin. I mean, the the accidents that happened in Ohio conspiracies with the Clintons. I mean, we touched on just about everything. This man that I was speaking to is so brilliant. His name is Jim. He goes by J.L. Hancock, and he spent 20 years in the military where he toiled away in the dark corners of the government intelligence communities, learned Korean and Japanese, and conducted over 100 combat operations with special operations forces in Iraq, Afghanistan, and the Philippines. As the senior enlisted advisor over future concepts and innovation for the Navy Special Operations community, Hancock became a well-known subject matter expert in unmanned systems, 5G, and artificial intelligence. Drawing from a graduate-level education in national security studies, foreign language expertise, and experience as a technician embedded with special operations forces, J.L. Hancock, he also writes fiction novels that reflect complexities of the modern world. Yeah, that's a mouthful, so you can imagine where this conversation went. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome J.L. Hancock. All right. Hey, Jim. Thanks for dropping by, man. Well, thanks, dude. Great to be here. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, what your background is. From what I read, it seemed pretty impressive, man. And I don't want to mess it up live here. So I want you to go ahead and tell us what you do. Uh, yeah. So my name is uh, Jim. Uh, J.L. Hancock is my pen name. And I, I'm an author and a consultant. And I used to I spent 20 years in the military working predominantly within the intelligence communities and, and embedded within special operations forces. And uh, I spent the last six years of my career working as the senior enlisted advisor as the, um, in charge of the future concepts and innovation directorate, where I worked a lot with like autonomous robotics and AI and 5G. Future concepts. Okay. So when you say that, the first thing that comes to my mind is chat GPT and what progress is going to come from that. What, what are your thoughts on chat GPT right now? Um, so chat GPT is interesting because, well, there's a lot of reasons why it's interesting, but one of the big (laughs) ones that pops into my mind is, uh, really what's come from generative AI in general, uh, because, and for people that aren't familiar with that chat GPT is one form of a lot of different types of generative AI that have become really popular as of late, but it's not one that we are necessarily, it's not a type of technology that people are really, um, not used to. It's just one that we um, tend to be talking a lot more now. So for example, um, like we've been walking around with Alexa and Siri for a really long time, but that's a form of generative artificial intelligence as well. Right. And, um, and it's all based on the same model, but the difference really with ChatGPT is just that 
its model base, uh, the information, it, it was created with 45 terabytes worth of information and, and millions of dollars to, for people to take this and create models off of it. Yeah, but uh, the thing that I think is interesting about it is, one, I mean, yes, it creates some really good uh, products out of it. I, I think it's a really useful tool for individuals who already have a strong understanding of a general mm. topic and just need yeah. to cut some time. But it's it's a it's I wouldn't call it dangerous. I just think it could be um, detrimental to people that are trying to use it to supplant a, an ability they don't already have. That's wonderful. Yeah, great way to put it. Because when I I messed around with Chat GPT and this thing was just firing off answers, man. I'm like, I feel like creativity is going to die because of systems like this. Like, and it's a good point you bring up. Like, if you have a, a good understanding of what your talking about i mean that's fine but like the world's gonna have to change a little bit in order to to bring this ai in because like what's homework what's homework gonna become you can just go on chat gpt type in the the problem you have there and from my understanding it'll just spew out the the correct answer right well to an extent the problem is so if you're like so for example in like an english class you can create a semi-decent paper with it, right? You can just give mm -hmm. it a couple prompts, keep tweaking it. But if you're trying to write something like journalis journalistic or right. uh, about anything technical, it's going to probably screw you more than it helps you because okay. you don't know where the where it's wrong. And it's yeah. it's so buried in the document that you're like, okay, I think this is all right. And then you'll turn it in and get it and, and fail. Would, Whereas would if you're trying English to teach you be able to decipher like between a human writing it and chat GPT? I think, you, you know, it, I would say it depends on the teacher, you know? Uh, so I was I'm listening to a number of different podcasts and other people talking about this exact same talk, topic and teachers looking at it. Teachers are like, you know, a, a student could get a B paper, but if this teacher has been tracking the way that that student writes and they yeah. do things in class, they're going right. to immediately recognize the difference. Just like if they were cheating and having somebody else do it for them anyway. That happened to me you know? one time in school. <laughs> yeah, what? You were the one cheating or somebody else did it? <laughs> I was, so it was like in the, the middle of this, the course, and this was like in high school, and we had this huge research paper due, and I just straight up plagiarized. I picked up, like I printed off word for word this 34-page document and just turned that in because I was so lazy. And he's like, this, <laughs> this is a real problem. This isn't you writing 34 pages. Really? Like I was such a dumbass. <laughs> yeah. Just copy pasted and just sent it. Yeah, yeah man. Not just good. the least amount of work. It was bad. But. So what, what's interesting about that dude is like, so, I mean, I, everybody tries that kind of thing at some point in time. And yeah. I, I've heard of some teachers, like there, some schools are like, you know, your essays and all that are going to be like timed. They'll just have you come to school and do it there. And if you know uh, it, you know it, you know, yeah. But okay. what's an interesting thing. So I, I spent a lot of time in Asia and I speak a couple Asian languages and the idea of an essay and plagiarism in Asia is completely different than it is in the United States. Like it's, they don't, it doesn't really bother certain people. Like when they're writing papers or like, ah, I borrowed the bulk of it from someone else. Cause it doesn't matter. Not recognizing cause it's not, they don't do it based on a liberal education. And that's like the bread and butter of how we educate each other, educate ourselves in the United States. Is it's all oh. about abstract understanding. Go Would ahead. you say that most products like that we know of are from stolen, like uh, 
they're clearly used from something else. I was in this course for work a couple weeks ago and this guy was going over this brilliant, brilliant man. And he was going over how everything since like the start of time has been copied and just made better or like tweaked some things, but everything comes from like a stolen product. To an extent stolen and iterated upon for sure. But that, yeah. I mean, that's how society's really adapted the way that it has technologically. When we were broken down into like small tribes, we weren't able to share information at scale. Right. And so that's why evolution of man as a human, as a species was relatively stymied for thousands of years because we didn't congregate in large groups. And then when we started doing that, we started sharing ideas and I guess you could say stealing them from each other, you know, and then, and then building upon them. Okay. So Since I mean, we're it, on the it's, topic, like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> from way back when the pyramids man like how were they communicating with each other you know they're all it's all over the world like they didn't yeah. have cell phones that we know of or how are they communicating with each other why do all the buildings look the same all the structures <laughs> yeah have you seen the, have you seen that one on antarctica no yeah i i saw that um i was just digging around and there's like a uh there's, it's like a, a, this is not a fact, but you can, if you look, Google it, you could probably find that there is a rock shaped just like the pyramid that has all oh, okay. the same features. It's on, it. yeah, it's, it's, it's on Antarctica. It's yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's freaking weird, you know? It is weird. Um, do, you, do you have any conclusions of that? Like what? Do I have any conclusions? I think that one thing that we do an tremendous job of doing is underestimating ourselves. Yes. And then um, getting wiped out as societies and forgetting everything. The and society so, of amnesia, right? By um, well, yeah. I mean, Hancock. well, think about how many times we conquer and wipe out other societies in this world, and how Correct. quickly that happens, right? And so, I, I, I do not remotely doubt that there's a possibility that there's a massive amount of information exchange that was taking place in the past. I mean, this planet's so old. Now, I'm not uh, yeah. going to speculate and say it's aliens or whatever. When I was a kid, on, I was man. way speculate into that a little stuff. bit. It's the yeah, curiosity I mean, chamber. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, when I was a kid, I used to be way into that. I'm like, because I grew up, I mean, I grew up relatively in the late 80s, 90s. And that was when, uh, like, there was like amazing stories and all these National Geographic things. I remember going to this thing with my brother where this dude claimed to have been abducted by aliens and he had this piece of metal that had been lodged in his skin. And you could watch <laughs> up there and see it. And it looked like a circuit board. <laughs> I remember being like, dude, and just being super amped about it, right? And then I got older and, and then I, uh, I wanted to get, learn about secrets and stuff. And that's kind of something that drew me into the military so I could get like a clearance and start getting in there and learning stuff. And interesting. And, and then I got wildly disappointed. So. <laughs> <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't have enough clearance, man. <laughs> well, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, it was like funny. Cause you finally get in there and you're like, all right, sweet. Teach me the stuff. And everybody's like, Dude, yeah. it's not, there's nothing there, bro. Um, I mean, there's stuff that you're going to learn. That's cool. And then there's stuff that's like, it's a disappointment, you know, I can. So I can, I mean, I could run around and speculate on that stuff and say it was, I, I, my, my personal opinion, if you want to go back to the pyramid thing is that I think yeah, we, 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 we legitimately underestimate, um, of ancient peoples and the, what that they could possibly do and how they were communicating and how they're sharing information across the board. Absolutely. But we, because of the fact that we've lost the vast majority of the way that they were doing things, we had to reinvent it all, you know? And we could have gone in a different direction of like the technology that they were using. We went a completely different direction. Like they could have been still even more high tech than us, but just completely different things than what we yeah. have today. You know, there's a, there's a really cool book that it just reminds me, makes me think about that. It's called, it's, um, so, you know, Orson Scott card, the dude who wrote, um, Ender's game and all that stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So he wrote a book called past watch. 
Cast have Watch. Ever, have you ever seen that? Heard that book? Heard of that book? Never. No. So he talks about um, in that book, it's about this future society that they're able to like look back in time based upon like seeing light. They're, they're able to look at the reflections of Earth in space and able to look back in time on what was happening on Earth. Mm, and yep. these group of people, they can watch the activities of certain individuals. And uh, they this one, long story short, they realize that they needed to, uh, they find out that they could actually travel back in time. And they're like, what is the inciting event that changed society? And they realized it was Columbus discovering the Americas. And initially they were like, well, we got to do is convince Columbus to go east and not west because that's what he originally wanted to do. Yeah. Um, and then they discover that um, actually somebody had been there before them and convinced oh, him to go, to go west. <laughs> and actually no him way. going west was the lesser of two evils because what he did in the east was worse. And so they're yeah. like, oh, crap. So then they go back and they basically try to convince they they tried. They, the whole book is about them in the West before Columbus arrives, trying to kind of more or less seed the ground so that he mm -hmm. didn't effectively turn America, the Americas into what it became. That's so fascinating. There's a lot of movies concept. like that too. Yeah. There's a lot of concept uh, movies that have that concept as well. Like um, a guy loses his, his girlfriend or his wife and he has the ability to go back in time and he tries to do all of these things to save her and just something else happens. Something else happens. And his mom dies. They're just like, there's always repercussions for whatever decision you make. So, I mean, yeah. it's like you yeah. said, the lesser of the two evils, I suppose. For sure. And it's funny because past watches, even though it was about time travel, um, I liked it a lot. Most of the time though, with books, when they mess with time, I tend to get pretty aggravated. Yeah. Just because it, it would, it, years, especially like the flash. They, they, he always he would just jack everything up. That's all that dude would do. There's no way he would ever be able to fix anything. He's like, I got to make it right. You're like, dude, just kill you yourself. Can't. I mean, don't. <laughs> That's what it comes down to, right? If you just kill yourself, yeah. <laughs> just wipe it out so it solves the problem, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, I, I hate to say, I shouldn't have just thrown that out there, but, you know, no, I mean, that right. was just. It makes sense. Yeah, I know. That, and that's usually what ends up happening anyway. They're like, oh, well, I'm the problem. You're like, yes, you are, actually. So stop it. <laughs> stop going back in time. <laughs> actually, go to the writer thing. and tell him to stop writing those things. <laughs> that's the real problem. <laughs> tell us how you really feel, Jim. Jesus, man. I know. I know, man. Holy. No, I just, it's I, it's funny because like I just find it kind of lazy in writing when they're like, you know, it's going to be time travel yeah. or, or aliens. You're like, okay. This Deus well, Machina approach is supposed to mean like, come on, just dig into it. They've been doing that with the Spider-Man series with Doctor Strange. Like now, you, since they mess with time now, I mean, now there's like infinity possibilities that they can do. Like well, they can just tap into a timeline and just like create something else. Yeah, no. And then the quantum, like the quantum concept, like I've been having, I had to do a lot of quantum stuff with work. And when you see people start chasing that rabbit hole, you're like, dude, yeah. this is another infinite loop that just doesn't go anywhere, you know? And so you can never, it, it, the hard part is, is it, you introduce too many variables into the story. Yes. And when all those variables are there, it becomes unpredictable and we need predictability in a story so that we yeah. can be surprised when the prediction's broken. But if there's no predictability in it and we can't anticipate what's going on, there's no emotional attachment. And that, yeah, exactly. that's where it starts losing in stories. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think something similar to infinite timeline happens when you die. Something that happens to an infinite timeline when you die. Like when you die, can you? Is it possible that you relive a different life? Like you just loop back into a timeline. 
loop so back the thing into about, a timeline. Have you have you ever listened to anybody like um, Neil Neil deGrasse Tyson or any of those yeah. ladies talk about infinity? Yeah, yeah. And how effectively, uh, I mean, because it's an infinite number of possibilities that there's a chance that, that there was there's a, an infinite number of times that you've existed exactly as you've existed. Blows and, my mind. And because of that potentiality, I don't think that there's any way that you could sit there and put a an, an, a limitation or an expectation or um, you could put a limitation on one um, life or energy or any of those things. Sure. I don't see how you could. There's too many potentialities for that. And we tend to think in the finite because we are finite beings who are constantly right. faced with our mortality. But there's so much op- so many opportunity options there. It's I don't see how you could ever close your mind about it. What's wild to me is that space is continuously expanding as well. I mean you can being a human you cannot you cannot understand this. You cannot grasp this concept of infinity like we were just talking about and space just keeps getting bigger and bigger i mean i I watch a lot of videos about space and how fucking giant it that's not i there's no words to use for it obviously but just how endless it is so when i get caught in these thought loops about like forever and ever and ever like it kind of freaks me the fuck out but i don't know what that means even yeah, you know, no, we can't we can't contemplate that. Like you, you can't. I mean, if you read, I used to read. Uh, I was I was real popular when I was a kid, so I was re- I would read like Carl Sagan <laughs> and Stephen Hawking in middle school, you know, and um, you know, <laughs> and I remember um like reading not just Cosmos but Contact and uh, or Pale Blue Dot, and you yeah. that's the very same concept that Carl Sagan was really digging into, and he would always that famous quote where he says billions and billions of stars, right? Right. Um, you know what kind of freaks yeah, me God. out? Like when I think about Damn. space, is whenever I see like imagery or video of Jupiter, yeah, and it's like the view from like one of the moons and how and and the, granted Jupiter's not even it's nothing compared to anything else in space, but there's this weird part of me that kind of freaks out a little bit at how big Jupiter is, massive, <laughs> massive dude. And I was I just think about being in orbit around that thing and just seeing it go on Oof. for almost feeling like ever compared to Earth, and you're like, dude, nothing. That's still and creepy. Then, the other thing that freaks me out is it's a gas giant, right? So if it's you gas, were yeah. on there and you fell, you would fall. <gasps> you know what I mean? It's like you, you, wouldn't, yeah. you wouldn't fall forever, but then you would just like slowly just get absorbed by the gaseous goo that is the planet. You know what okay. I mean? Well, let's say that you don't get absorbed by the gassy goo. You would just, you would essentially keep falling, right? Well, like if the yeah, gas yeah. I mean, eventually something you? stops you, right? But it, it, Does it? it I mean, it, it, well, yeah, eventually it gets so dense that it 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 just it stops Mm. you right but that and the fact that the wind's traveling hundreds of miles per hour and kicking the crap out of you you know and and it's poisonous fall right um, so if you start from the top of jupiter and you would fall all the way through and come out the middle and then continue to fall yeah just well you wouldn't fall through the middle i mean it's it's got it still has a dense core right it's like any other planet it's just it's not as dense as, as Earth, right? But you would you would hit something. It's just it would take forever. Have you seen the movie? I'm drawing a blank, but it's with Matthew McConaughey. And they go Interstellar? Into, God, yeah, you're fast. Yes. Have you, you've seen it? Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, when they're on, um, I forgot what planet it was, but What's where every minute, every minute is like three years or something on Earth. Yeah, time dilation. This this is that's true. That really exists. 
what time dilation yeah yeah the faster you get to the speed of light the more that time is... slows down for everybody else i can't grasp that i just cannot grasp that it's so hard for me to grasp yeah no i i mean i'm not i i just said that like i understand it but <laughs> i um i mean i know what it is <laughs> yeah um but that's the that's the basis of relativity and that's also why um quantum science is kind of the fact that we are where we are with quantum sciences now is is crazy because it's almost the exact it's antithetical to relativity because it so, doesn't obey any it doesn't follow any of the rules yeah i don't like that it, so if i'm in a craft i don't, I don't like that. <laughs> if i'm gonna fall some rules bro <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm speeding at the speed of light mm -hmm. i don't change me physically jay does not change i don't age but anything that is not me and outside of my craft let's say back at home on earth is aging significantly. Yeah. Like, so I'm not a physicist and I, I don't even get to try to explain that stuff. I, but I would, but you, the closer you get to, 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 to the speed of light, everything else basically just like stops for you, but it keeps going for everybody else. Okay. So what if there, Oh God damn it, man. What if there's a, a, a spaceship, I guess. Okay. Let's talk about aliens. If aliens are traveling at the speed of light to earth, we won't know they're here until until it, they've already been here and passed. So, once again, I'm not a physicist. <laughs> so, <laughs> you sound like a physicist. So that's why I'm <laughs> no, no. So it would. I mean, they would arrive to us. It's we don't. So it's okay. It's it's relativity, right? So relativity is all based upon the idea that that how you experience time and everything is relative to your state at the at the moment that you're in. A good example is if you're inside of a train, riding a train, and you're looking out at a person sitting watching you drive by on that train. Okay, okay. You're just cruising by, and then they're just you're just sitting still, hanging out, going to Hogwarts or wherever you're doing, and then just cruising. But you're but you're just you're but everything is just still for you. Okay. How about this? But to the person out there, it's it's flying right by. Okay. So we wouldn't know. Like, there's no way for us to detect aliens if they're traveling at the speed of light until they are just here. So it would be almost instantaneous for us. Like they weren't here. Next second, yeah, no, they, would just, here. they would just be here because it, it would just be it, that's how, that's light travels. Is, okay. You know, yeah. I forgot the here. exact speed, trillions of miles per hour, but um, <laughs> not Don't tell fast. Um, no, I mean, the amount of, it takes eight minutes for light to travel from the sun to hit the earth. And the earth is between 60 to 90 million miles away from the sun. Well, that's what creeps me out, man. It's like, it could be, everything's normal. And then a, a second, if something is traveling at the speed of light, all of a sudden it just changes on a dime. It's, it's well, just yeah, done. It's there. They're here. It's, it's, yeah. it's relativity. Like we can't process information or anything that's moving that fast. True. <laughs> Well, and that's why I also think, also think it's crazy is, is, you know, like I, like I said, I was really popular. I was really cool when I was a kid and was really into science and stuff, but I used to watch like Star Trek late at night with my dad. Yeah. And one of the things that I, um, it, even as a kid, this is something that used to bug me is I'd be like, they'd meet a new species and that other right. species would basically be at the same evolutionary level as the humans. Uh, and I'm like, that's dumb. You, because you caught on to that when you were young watching that? I remember, I remember thinking, I was like, that doesn't make any sense to me Wow! because how would you, how would they all evolve at the same space at the same no, pace? You're right. You're right. It, I mean, it's most just... likely they'd be millions of years ahead of us. And if that's right. the case, we're like a bug to them. 
Yes. You know, a stupid bug. And then we just show up and we're like, let's hang out. And we're like, no, dude, I don't hang out with bugs. <laughs> Use you as a science experiment. <laughs> yeah. No. And that, that, I mean, that's, um, um, I'm going to mess up his name. Michio Kaku. I think that's what he talks about when he's like, there was a, I started, I was listening to one of his podcasts and he was, he was based, there was a discussion about whether or not we should, um, be communicating and reaching out to space mm. to try and basically communicate with alien life. And it was based off of like SETI, you know, the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. And right. there was a group there that's actually trying to e e emit yeah. particular radio waves to get their attention. Yeah. And he was like, dude, what are you doing? He's like, I think that's a terrible idea. And they're like, why not? Wouldn't you want to contact alien life? He's like, the only reason why alien life would come to this planet is to harvest us. And oh, to harvest Jesus, the planet. Man. He's like, think about it. Why would they waste their time to come here unless there was some kind of benefit for them? And then they're like, well, there's science. They just want to learn. We're like, okay, but most likely how like think about the universe kind of like as um an episode of walking dead okay you you find pockets of goodness but most of the time everything wants to kill you so <laughs> let's right. let's realize that that's probably how the rest of space is that's let's yeah, not that, invite that that's his that's argument right a dystopian view of that but what if what if they this is going to sound out there but they planted us here there's a theory of that i forget like the adunaki or something like that yeah are you, are you familiar I mean, with that yeah it's a it's it's a pretty common science fiction theme actually yeah. that a lot of people are like that we were effectively the the offspring or the the continuation right. of another people that have been here before and all that kind yes. of stuff and that's why we can't find continuity so then they're just coming back to visit and see how we're doing make sure we don't blow ourselves up which we're pretty close to doing we're literally living in a, in a universe of infinite possibilities. So, I mean, however you want to roll the dice, man, it's your call, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I, I hate it. And I love it. Cause I can't be wrong. Cause no one knows. No one sure. knows until nobody it's knows. like, I mean, not, was it not even 10 years ago? Everybody was like, we know that there are other planets outside of our solar system. We just haven't found them yet. And now there's, is, we know thousands of them. Is you know? Pluto a planet yet or no? Like that one keeps changing know. on me. You know, what's funny about Pluto, man, is, is when I was, a, I was, uh, it's funny. I keep referencing this. I wrote to Carl Sagan one time and he actually wrote me back. Really? And I asked him cause I'd been watching all of these like those shows, like I mentioned, like strange mysteries and things about like alien life. And I was like, they were like, there's alien life on the 10th planet in our solar system. So I wrote him a letter. I was like, dude, I didn't say dude, but I was like, what, what is, where, what's the status of us having like a 10th a planet? And he wrote me back and he's like, we don't have any evidence that there's a 10th planet at this time. And I was like, so I have a signed letter from Carl Sagan that he said, there's no 10th planet, Jim. <laughs> and I was you sure it wasn't your mom that. that, that wrote that just to. No, I wrote him twice and he wrote me back <laughs> twice. Actually, I asked him about a comet and then I asked him about the 10th planet. I was like 10. I don't know. I was like, yeah, once again. Well, that's pretty awesome. At least you got a letter. I wrote to uh, Derek Jeter when I was about 10 or 11, and I sent a picture that I won at Dave and Buster's. I don't know if you know what yeah. that is. It's like a game place. Yeah. Yeah. And I sent it to Derek Jeter and the Yankees, and I never heard anything back, and it's been roughly about 22 years now, and I'm still very, very upset about it. You that. think about it all the time, huh? He yeah, actually – uh, his I think his ex-wife – and she was in my economics class in high school. <laughs> no way. Super random. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Minka, Minka Kelly. Yeah. She was in my high yeah, school economics yeah. class. Wow. She was a, she was a total, I, I grew up in Albuquerque. She was a total chola. Um, <laughs> you, did you, you say same Albuquerque? Yeah. Hell yeah, man. That's awesome. Yeah. 
Did, wait, did you say that you say uh, same or did you say? No, no, no. I just oh. watched. <laughs> I just watched Breaking Bad and I love that show. <laughs> oh, okay, God. yeah, that sums up Albuquerque right there. Yeah, yeah just some blue meth. <laughs> yeah, just a bunch of blue meth. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, tell tell me about what you think with this nuke treaty that's been disbanded. Oh, with the I Star believe treaty? that's. I don't know uh, what, what is it. Well, the Russia just yeah, um, they didn't sign yeah, something. Start the, yeah, the Start Treaty, I think, is what it is. So, um, okay. yeah, I mean, it wasn't so much that it was disbanded as that. Well, yeah, he more, more or less is pulling out of it because they were trying to control the amount of nukes that they have, which is a which was yeah. an extension of other treaties that we've had in the past with Russia and with China and things like that. Um, yeah. I mean, Putin's a nut bar, so it's, um, he's on a, he's on a timeline. He's got to re he's got to recreate the Soviet union in a certain period of time. And Are so we he's talking gotta, about like before he dies or is that the yeah, timeline? Um, well, that's, that's how dictators think, right? Well, I, uh, there's rumors. Yeah, so. I don't know how true it is, but like, he's pretty sick. He has cancer. He looks inflamed all the time. You know, I don't, it's hard to say, man. I mean, they hard said, they, they say that kind of stuff about a lot of, I mean, they said the same thing about Trump. It's, I mean, they say the same thing about, you know, it, he, it's possible. It, that might have been, there's a lot of reasons why he went on an, on an accelerated timeline. Exactly. That's what makes me and, think as well. You can say the same thing almost about Xi Jinping. True. Um, being on an accelerated timeline. Right. Um, they, uh, yeah, so him pulling out of that treaty is just an extension of him trying to argue his way back to the table. Um. And this, and not when I say the table, I mean like gaining the people trying to think that he's a legitimate threat, which he is. I mean, he has nuclear weapons, but um, he's totally proven that from a military standpoint, he not just underestimated the world, but he underestimated he overestimated his own capabilities. But um, he did jump the gun on a lot of things, so um, a lot of poor planning on that on that aspect. I mean, I've, what are your thoughts on like how, how does this end? This whole issue that's happening right here, does it make it to World War Three? I know there's so many variables, but it, yeah. like the trajectory right now, if we keep doing the same exact thing, like nothing gets talked about, like ultimately it's it's going to lead to World War Three, right? Tensions are so high. Well, I, I, it all depends. I mean, uh, the only reason why things would result in like that level of World War Three is if China decides now is the time to take Taiwan. Right. Yes. And then the two of them back each other, China, but China plays a different kind of game. And so there, it, it really is a matter of, of how does Putin get out of the current situation that he's in and save face while, um, established and showing to his people that he didn't, he didn't send all of his children, all the, all their, all these people to die for nothing. Yeah. Right. Um, it, it is really is all about face with him at this point in time. Oh man! And, and what and what's crazy is some friends of mine that are really close with people in Russia. Uh, they were just like, "Yeah, dude, like the big problem that, that, that there they still totally love him." But you got to understand, there's there Russia is their um, ah oh, man, uh, their their whole system is based off of something called well, it's called the Sistema. And the Sistema is three main things. It's the oligarchs. It's the, so you got the oligarchs, the military, and the press. And when Putin took power, he immediately had control of the military. And then he came in and he started, immediately started taking control of the oligarchs. And if you're not familiar with what happened, what the, who the oligarchs are, is, is really Russia and Ukraine as well, as a lot of all the former Soviet states, is 
when the communism ended, you had these individuals that had control of major uh, business areas, like certain parts of like, like fertilizers, uh, like ammunition, things like that, like industries that you don't think are that big of an important thing, but that really is where the bulk of the money is. Cause they, they, they own the heart of any major society is, is that, and that's where the oligarchs effectively have the power. And Putin, when he took power, he had, he basically had all these main oligarchs get together and he sat them down and he's like, look, you're either going to get in tow with whatever I tell you, or mm. I'm going to kill you or put you in prison. That's your choice. And there was this really famous meeting where he sat down and I forgot exactly what they were signing, but he, he handed a pen to one of the oligarchs to sign this thing. And the oligarch like signed it and then held onto the pen. And in the middle of the meeting, he stopped and he said, give me back my pen. And that symbolically was basically that oligarch breaking down and giving into Putin publicly. And so it was kind of like a Caesar Milan moment with the dog, you know, pinning it to the ground and it stopped yeah, shaking and all that. So exactly. it was Whoa. effectively when I took that. And then what they did is they went in and they started pushing inside of their media channels. Uh, they took over some of the, they took over the press in certain places and they effectively installed their own uh, puppet uh, journalists and they completely took over everything. And so really free press vanished. And so he knew with the system in place and the control of those three main things that he could control the entirety of the country. And that's how he's run it ever since um, he took power. And what's an interesting thing about when he took power is in, so Boris Yeltsin handed control over to him and literally three months later, a Chechen attack in the city in, in Moscow takes place. And then he's like, look, we're at war with terrorists in Chechnya. And then all of a sudden the entire, all of Moscow is like, heck yeah, kill the Chechnyans. And so then they shifted all of their attention back to Chechnya for the first Chechen war. And that effectively is how he establishes foothold. And it's been that way ever since. And then, and then, yeah, so it's just an extension of that. And it's for the entire time. So I got to realize everything that they're doing and this goes back all the way to the Soviet Union, even before that, really. I mean, this is just, they're a very, very old country. And this mentality is, is, is ingrained in them, is that it's all about maintaining that power and manipulating and controlling that. Because the second you lose it, they, they replace you. But they, it's like weird because it's an entire society that's relegated themselves to accepting the situation for what it is that, you know, yeah, another dictator took office. It's, that is what it is. You know, this guy's maybe not so bad. It's kind of their mentality right now. So. How how does one go about? How does a country go about getting a dictator out? Like there is, it's impossible, right? Unless there's like an assassination of some sort, because there's well, no historically. It's always like a coup or an assassination. Yeah, um, it really has to do with why you're taking that over and whether or not that society is able to sustain another type of government. As we learned in the Middle East, if you remove a dictator, you end up with complete chaos. It, well, anyone that seems to try and compete with Putin just ends up, you know, magically dead. <laughs> yeah. For now, eventually, if he gets into a weakened enough state, all of a sudden it'll True. just be over. And then, well, and then it'll be, then the power vacuum will have to be filled. That's and the, unfortunately, my question. like, what does that look like when he dies? What happens then? So specifically, I, you know, I, I'm not, Russia is a tough one because of the fact that you have, you do have an entire organization based around him, but you still have the semblance of some type of a, de a democratic election process. And it really comes into who wants to, who is powerful enough to fill that void. Unfortunately, he's done a good job of killing a lot of his competitors. Yes. Um, but crazy. specifically, I couldn't, I couldn't say the name of one individual that I think could step up. Um, but um, 
he does a lot of a lot of his people that follow him uh, that uh, that are that don't answer up to him tend to fall out windows. So, no, recently there's been a lot. Of, I mean, I can't remember the names. Like one of the a, a former undersecretary of defense, she fell out a window recently, and there's another dude that went out a window in India. Oh my god! Uh, it's either that or plutonium. Either he sneaks they sneak radiation into their into their food and stuff. Yeah, he's he's they're really big on poisoning people with radiation. Yeah, yeah, poison is a big one. Um. Out here in the U.S., there's some sketchy shit that goes on too, though, man. I mean, hopefully, I don't get whacked for saying this, but like the Clintons have a, a hit list, essentially. Like there's there's so many people on this list that were like ex workers, and all of a sudden, you know, suicide, three gunshot wounds to the head. Yeah, that was that was the whole that was that was that was a lot of conversation in the '90s, man. That yeah, was, yeah, that was. I mean. Yeah, it's really interesting when you really look at a lot of those connections, and it's hard when, when it when it gets turned into a talking point. Like for me, I'm pretty like, um, pretty middle of the road. I'm I'm a, I'm one of those like prove it kind of guys. Me too. Um, yeah. You just throw something at throw if you throw something out, I'll be like, eh, I don't know. Right. <laughs> About pretty much everything. I, like okay. it, I'm not going to default to That's just saying fair. I believe. It's hard for me to hit the I believe button for a lot of things. Um, well, just naturally just- skeptical. There's you know? too much information nowadays, like that go both ways. It's it's it almost feels like a psychological war on us. Like, well, it you is. cannot tell what's true and what's false because there's just so much information. Why can't we just know the truth? Like, uh, a, like something a hundred percent factual. It's like almost impossible to find nowadays. Well, yeah, I think I think the hard part is the way that we share information nowadays is based upon. It, it's it's predicated upon having a stance on and an yeah. opinion associated with that information. It's never about the true dissemination of information. Yeah, pick a team, and that's that's the problem, right? Is yes, yeah, yeah. Like there were a, a really good example I could give you if you if we since we were talking about Ukraine. Yeah, um, this is my favorite one. So I'm gonna go. It's gonna sound like I'm going in circles, but all I'm doing is just stating facts about a situation. But you could veer very easily spin any of this in any crazy direction you want. Okay, so uh, let's talk about. Okay, so Ukraine prior to 2014, when you when they had the Maidan Square, um, basically the revolution when they what effectively started the war that is going on right now. Yeah. So when that took place, that was because the the people of Ukraine wanted to be a part of the European Union. And the president at the time, a dude by the name of Yanukovych, um, who effectively was a Putin stooge, he was like, no, I'm not joining the EU. And they're like, look, if you don't join the EU, we voted for it. Join the EU uh, or we're going to get real mad, right? And then he chose not to. So yep. they they protested. Yeah. And then he sent in these dudes called the Burkut. The Burkut forces are like their riot police. And then it, tur- it turned into a three-month-long siege of them taking the main part of, of, of Maidan Square and holding that, the whole center part of the city as they fought and they shot people and all kinds of stuff. It got, was crazy, right? And then that's when the little green men, as they called them, showed up in Crimea and they basically annexed Crimea overnight. But here's an interesting thing about Yanukovych. When Yanukovych was trying to get elected into power, starting in around 2012, um, he hired two dudes to be his... Uh, as an advisor right as consultant he hired a consulting firm do you know who those consultants were no who um roger stone and paul manafort i do Do know who those guys are those were those were trump's advisors (laughs) so the same dudes and the same guy roger stone is the guy that went to jail 
for after i mean for i mean of all those dude i don't I forgot manafort did as well but i know stone was in jail and he got pardoned. Oh, that's right I, yeah i do remember so yeah. anyway so yeah. both those dudes helped get yanukovych in power who oh was then God. who was then who was basically putin's stooge who ran away from the country in a helicopter and then putin was like i'm just gonna put him back in power and they were like no that's not gonna happen and then um so that exact same time you had a guy by the name of um dang i'm trying to get i'm trying to get his name right um he was the former advisor to iraq and he eventually became he was he was a, he was one of the he was the cia chief of station um it'll come to me anyway so um he ended up becoming an advisor for Boris for Bur- um um <laughs> dude i can't believe i'm spacing the name of these particular uh 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 oil companies but the whole like okay so the company's name was um the the oil company the ga- the natural gas company that um hunter biden worked for barisma okay so barisma hired him he hired he hired the former they hired the former prime minister of of poland and then um this other individual that eventually was like he who also was a former campaign man he like helped with the campaign for Ed, uh, mitt romney and so mm-hmm. now you have so this is where it gets really convoluted in the ukraine you have these oligarchs that are manipulating the natural gas. You have former Republican, uh, both guys that had advised Mitt Romney as well as yeah. Hunter Biden. And so who's on the Biden side. And then you have individuals that worked for Trump that worked for Yanukovych and then and Putin. Okay. So it's a freaking mess. And you can take that whole big ball of mess and say, it's the, it's the Republicans that were manipulating it. Or you can go back it's and you Democrats. say, look, it yeah. was the Bidens doing it. They had their hands in it. I mean, Hunter Biden was taking money from these dudes when most likely he was a figurehead in a board. And I'm not defending him. I'm just saying that's kind of like what most likely was the case, right? And so you've got all these different examples, but people start drawing these conspiracy theory connections to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm not drawing, deriving any, I'm not drawing any conclusions out of these individuals as I make these connections. Kofor Black, that's the other dude. So Kofor Black was, nice. he was a uh, station chief in Khartoum when they caught Carlos the Jackal. And then he eventually became uh basically chief of station in Iraq. Um, and then he got out. So was, you had Kofor Black and then you had uh, Hunter Biden and the former prime minister of Poland running uh, Brisma. And then you had on the other side, you had at the exact same time. And then these oligarchs and everybody being like, look how corrupt it is. And everybody's got their hands in the pie. Yes. And then everybody's blaming everybody else when it's like, dude, you guys are all just pointing figures. It's just that Spider-Man picture. Where I just don't understand each how other. people can't catch on to this shit, though, man. It's been happening since, like, the beginning of time. Like, just today, I saw – I don't know why I was watching it. It's on Twitter. I was watching it, though, The View, where a bunch of those ladies are sitting around talking and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But this lady's like, that train that crashed in Ohio, you voted for Trump. Trump did oh. this. Shit. I'm like, what the? F-? I'm like, what are we actually yeah. talking about here? Is that Joy Behar what, said that? What? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's a crazy <laughs> one. I, I think it's interesting here, when man. when they like they they try to turn that into a second and third order effect, Come right? On. And yeah, yes, I, I think it's 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 very lazy when we try to default to solving blaming all of our local politics on every every major politician. Yes. When it's like you've got to realize how many different people had their hands in that situation lead, leading all the way up to that. It's never just one part. And it's Correct. it's easy for us to blame the person at the very top for everything. It's also yeah. easy for that person to try and take credit. And, it, and neither one of them are very accurate. People, the, the big thing too is like people are just trying to say the most shit that gets clicks nowadays. Like I, I, I actually think 
that they are thinking about what they can say that is like a <gasps> moment to get people to click. No, totally. It's escalation. It is totally escalation. It is. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can't, how are you supposed to one up somebody when they've gone that crazy? You know, well, that's how you and, know that they're, they're kind of full of shit. Like when you, when you reach that moment, it's like, I, if you can't like say precisely and talk in a nice manner with like a level voice, Something tells me that you're not telling the truth or you don't know what the fuck is going on. You're just, you picked a team and now you're going to defend that team at all costs. Doesn't matter if you're being like crazy. It doesn't matter. Like you what's interesting is when you, is when you see people parroting, uh, the basically psychological operations narratives associated with, uh, so, I mean, a good example of that is when somebody like look at a uh, Tulsi Gabbard, when she basically said, I'm leaving the democratic party and people are like, good yes. riddance. We never needed you anyway, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, my concern with that. She's like, the reason why I was leaving is because the second you walk in, it's, it's no, none of this, like what's best for the American people. It's like this party or that party. And when you look at the situation like that and you see these really good talking points from certain individuals making good arguments on one side and you're, you're and you're not neither of them are in a position to argue to agree with each other at any point that's you're not going to come to any reconciliation no and that's when it's, it's 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 incredibly depressing um now if i was a conspiracy theorist and i, I thought someone was pulling the strings at the very top like i would just keep feeding these narratives into social media just to keep left and right fighting like nonstop. Yeah. I would just well, keep, that's, keep that's doing the that. big concern with TikTok, right? Is that it, it, it is cracked wide open with the direct intent to create divide, to be divisive in our society. Now that sounds conspiracy. I mean, people have said that, but I honestly, what the more I study about things like China and Russia, the more I'm like, yeah, no, that seems pretty legit. Like the troll farms, the Twitter troll farms and shit? Yeah, not just the troll farms. We're talking about like, okay, so there's this thing called memetic warfare, okay? And that's it's an old term, but people have been bringing it up more recently where they're saying, hey, there's a war of memes, right? Have you heard that? Yeah, yep. Okay, so people default to thinking of memes as like an actual meme where it's a picture and you're making fun of something with some stupid yes. quote. Okay, a meme is a thought. Okay. As you and I are interacting with each other right now, we are, this interchange of information is changing our mimetic DNA, even at the slightest level, because you, if you are listening and part of the conversation, like, then you're going to walk away with this. Like, as you said to me earlier, I think before we started this, you're like, I just like learning stuff as I interact with the people. Well, that's, that's mimetic influence, right? But so Memetic warfare is effectively how organizations like ISIS brainwash people. And it happened, but also that brainwashing, the basis of it is the idea is I can slowly start slipping other things inside of your ideology from a psychological mm. standpoint that you will just slowly ingest. And then as time goes by, I can radicalize you in one direction or another. And that's, that's where people, they jokingly, I even, even a good friend of mine was, was, was bagging on this on Facebook a little while back where he's like, Oh yeah, now we got to watch out for memes. We're in trouble for memes, and I was like, dude, it, it's a form of warfare, and you're being 100%. manipulated by it. By even passing that information on, you are contributing to it. And so you got to realize that if anybody is shoving stuff out there, like if they're trying to be funny, they are taking a even if they're being funny, they're taking a stance. They don't, whether they want to be take that stance or not, unless they're trying to. I mean, there's people trying to point something out and saying like, hey, you know, 
this is, isn't this funny that this is happening, right? They're all contradiction. And then all of a sudden it goes, yeah, they're a contradiction. I hate them because of this, right? It goes that direction quickly rather than an open-minded person would, would stay kind of in the middle. The default state is to make it radicalized in one direction or the other. And that's how it slowly manipulates you. And so you have the bots that or you can have like the bot factories or whatever it is. You can have those particular types of tools that can reinforce certain things through numbers so that you can get them trending so you can push them farther along the road down the algorithm. But that doesn't really start gaining traction until somebody with a large enough influence buys into it. But that's all they're gaining. That's all they're aiming for is they're trying to make the algorithm push the ideology that they're chasing, that they're trying to, that they're trying to create. And then the way they do that is by manipulating the algorithm. And so then people just consuming it, just constantly scrolling and flipping up, don't realize that it's handing that to them. Right. Yikes. Um, but to a TikTok is an interesting one because ByteDance is being owned by China means that they yeah. literally will just minute change that information however they want to do it, you know. Um, so the fact that they don't even let their let they don't let their children use TikTok, but they're more than happy to dump it on us is a perfect example of. Oh, I, I heard that they get like educational. They get rewarded for educational TikToks out there, like mechanics yeah. and being a doctor and like learning. Yeah, shit. well, they that's what they want to become, right? I mean, that's kind of been pushed around. And it's funny because we, even if you're touching social media, we're seeing the same information being pushed to each other, you know? And uh, the, because the algorithm has reached us apparently, right? So, um, so that, that argument though is, is you can sit there and say, okay, well, that, that, that's why it's bad. For me, it's not, it's not specifically, it's not specifically bad. It's not just bad because of that. There's a lot of other reasons why it's bad in my mind. It's bad in my mind because in order for artificial intelligence to grow, it needs data. It has yes. to have, and, and that data comes yeah. from constant consumption of some type of medium. And the only way to get that information is for somebody to create it. And if I give you something that allows you to take a camera everywhere you go, and I can constantly be pulling your locational information, all the apps you're using, yeah. all these different things, and I can, I can just, and you'll give it to me for free because you enjoy it. Better yet, you get popular, somebody else will pay you money, and I get the benefit on the back end. I can train my algorithms to do other things as well. Not just the one that you know it's doing, but the ones that you don't know it's doing. And because if the government has direct access to that information, they can use it for whatever mean they want. Making so, clones of you, man. There's no doubt in my mind that there's a Jay Baroni in a basement right now that is just like a data infested human, not a human being, but like a humanoid, <laughs> I suppose. That's that's you think a, that they would wait. You think that it actually make another person? I, 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 you existed. <laughs> you existed a digital form for sure. <laughs> maybe i don't know man no no i don't know yeah no they uh in another kind of universe off freaking in, another, out. in another universe absolutely but in this universe i would you exist in a digital form for sure for sure yeah everything about everything about your life that has ever touched the internet exists in a digital form whether it's aggregated or disaggregated is up for debate but it exists <laughs> jesus christ I see what you're saying. It's freaking me out. Yeah. Well, it, it makes you want to go to one of two directions. Do you say, all right, I'm going to shut myself off or you do I accept shut certain... yourself off though? You can't not in you. I mean, you can, but you, you miss what out does on that a lot life of look things, like, right? You'll be asked. So I never touched. I had a social media account for a little while and then I shut it off. I didn't have any social media really active until I got out of the military. I don't because have. I was, well, I've never touched TikTok. I won't ever touch. TikTok. I won't either. No. 
um, one, I'm too old. And two, I just, <laughs> I, I, I don't see the value of it. You know, um, that one seems even, like the devil to me. Yeah. It's like eight Instagram. seconds of these clips, man. Just like mind melting. And I'll see my ex-wife yeah. looking through it. I'm like this, what are you watching? It's the dumbest shit. It's just so yeah. stupid. Well, what's, what's crazy about the dumb part of it is, is you're like, that's dumb. What's next? <laughs> Whereas, <laughs> you know, like it's, yeah, <laughs> instead man. of like, that's dumb. Why don't I shut it off? It's, it's always, that's dumb. What's next. And so <laughs> that's, that's the part that I think is the craziest about it. Cause you're like, every once in a while, you'll find something that just makes those endorphins go off, you know? So you're like, Oh, that was worth it. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like my kid, my daughter, when she was little, uh, she, every once in a while, we'd let her watch those like YouTube kids videos where they open eggs. Yeah. 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 Um, that didn't last very long at all because we were real immediately realized what was going on. And we were like, no more YouTube kids for you, period. Dude, and I she, did the same thing with my kid uh, like a month ago. All he would watch would be like a grown-up and a kid playing Xbox or a computer game like next to each other. Just It was just so mind-melting and so dumb. But he was yeah. so hooked on to this, man. Like he, boys, he honestly, he became addicted. Yeah, boys are more susceptible to that than, than girls are in certain respects. Um, like just I'm from... So my daughter, when I, since I, I shut, we shut her off because we recognized also that when it came to like those egg videos and the reason yeah. why is because it, it's that endorphin rush, especially when they, they open the egg. And that's how that one kid always named Jonathan or whatever his name is. He became like super duper famous. Like the kid's worth millions of dollars now because of these I know egg you're videos. About, present yeah. Videos. yeah, I don't know his name. Yeah. Anyway, Thank so God. I don't understand how that kid could make any money because all he does is just open eggs. But I realized that it's just. You know, those videos on YouTube kids, they have millions and millions of views because the kids will watch them over and over again. We, we cut her off of that and she hasn't watched you. Well, she yeah. never watched YouTube kids really ever again. <laughs> she's 12 now. She, I mean, oh, wow. and she doesn't, I mean, she'll watch, well, she's allowed to watch a video every once in a while, but we're not, she, yeah. they're not allowed to sit and just scroll ever. Yeah. Um, we're very, because I mean, there's so many studies that have been done about. It's so strange seeing your kid do it, man. Right. Like we, we do it ourselves, but then when you see your kid do it, 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 there's something to it that just seems kind of like the word I want to use is demonic. I don't know if that's the right use. It just, it, it, it seems like they they're seem being possessed. mind warped, I guess. Yeah. Well, for me, I, I was thinking it's like, it like they're being possessed. Possess possession. Like, yeah. 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 It's, it, it, they, cause they, they disappear because they're the actual like creative elements of their brain. It all just shuts off. And so, so then, crazy and to that's see why kid, they, they even say it, like kids need to be bored because it fires up their creativity. My other daughter, dude, she, I mean, our house is usually wrecked because she's constantly making stuff. Even if they watch TV for a little bit, she gets, she'll start just building something or she'll be like, yeah. I like the clothes that person's got on there and she'll start building a costume. And so I'm perfectly cool with her making whatever she wants, but like we, as much as I was, kind of raised as a feral child and I was a, a latchkey kid and I ran off and did whatever I wanted all the time. <laughs> My kids have a pretty strict regimented life. You know, they come home from school. They're not allowed to watch TV on the yeah. weekdays, just period. Yeah. I'm like, if you guys have, you guys homework, you have dance classes and music and all this kind of stuff you have to do, like go develop skills and become healthy, happy people. And don't worry about what's happening online period and comparing yourself to anyone else period. I just need you to be, I need you to establish confidence in who you are. Okay, so until you, you have that confidence, there's no reason to, you can't really step out in the world without any armor. You've taken those steps. 
to develop your child because you saw what was happening. And I'm doing the same thing as well because I saw what was happening. Do you think the majority of people catch what's happening? Or do you think that most people just give an iPad and be like, all right, like here, watch this. Thank God my kid's out of my hair and not complaining. They're content. Yeah, I I don't want to judge anybody else how they parent their kid. I I just chose to do the way that I do it because, but the thing is, is it's it's hard. It's not an easy way to do things. Establishing certain boundaries, especially when you're like, I've got other stuff I need to do. I don't, I can't handle you being crazy. So here's a phone, and then the social pressure. Um, but we were, I was also, I mean, with our kids, we're like, look, you're not getting a phone until this age, or if you even get one until this age, or you have to pay for your own. And our kids are cool with it. They're like, yeah, you know, I get it. It's fine. But we we are really big on communication. However, yeah. I don't think, I don't know. I listen to the other people. I don't know. It, I, I think that parents are trying. They're trying to make the make a do for the mistakes that their previous generations have made. But we have so much pressure from everything in their hands at all times. And uh, it's yeah. it's one of those things that, man, it's, I, it's, it's tough, dude. I mean, it's way tougher than back when I was a kid. I just had to watch out for gangs. You know, I should watch out oh. and get stabbed. That was my main concern. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, <laughs> Pretty good concern, man. To be I aware didn't worry of. about. There was nothing else really going on that I was really all that worried. I wasn't Sweetheart, worried about what TV. Get today? No. All no. right. It's a good day. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. No. But I don't think any holes. Basically, was my childhood. Like, did you, did you come home safe? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Good. You know. What, uh, <laughs> what year were you born? Seventy nine. Seventy nine. Okay. I'm eighty eight. Yeah. So, okay. So yeah, 79. And then, uh, um, and then that time in New Mexico, both my parents were struggling to make this one business worked and ended up going bankrupt. And so we were, um, yeah, we were pretty poor, just kind of struggling there. And I was just, you know, trying to keep my head down and do my thing. Um, but eventually, I mean, but I think about what I went through and I wouldn't want my kids to go through that either, but I look at what they're going through um, to an extent. And I'm like, well, it's a completely different type of pressure. It's internalized and it, it manifests in interesting ways. I mean, anxiety and depression and all those things you see it in other people. Um, yeah. I'm just trying to do everything I can to make sure that I establish a good a confidence base. So that's why I'm really big on my kids, like having hobbies and having things that yes. make them feel good about themselves. Um, that they can I say this is and just and really developing their personalities. Confidence you you alluded to it earlier i think that's a really big one i'm see, i'm not seeing a lot of kids have the confidence like i my dad my dad was a military person so he would always tell me like shake everyone's hand look them in the eyes like if you're going to say something say something kind of like that lifestyle and maybe i'm just because my dad was in the marines but i don't see that like taking place anymore everything's like i'd rather talk to you via technology like no one wants to answer the phone no one wants to call and talk or like yeah the communication styles have changed and it was interesting like after i so in 2013 i i had just finished uh, a deployment to afghanistan and uh, a really good friend of mine who was supposed to relieve me um in my position i was i was the chief in charge of this detachment and uh he ended up getting killed in combat and right around that same time, they were like, hey, look, dude, we, we I know you, we know you love hanging out with these guys over in the special operations community, but we need you to come back over to the intelligence community and work with these dudes. And in, in, it was Hawaii at the time. And they were like, we need you to come back over here. 
uh, you don't have a choice. Here's your orders, you know, because military is like that sometimes. Yeah, uh, there's a lot more to that story, but I'm just going to go from there. So anyway, so I arrive in Hawaii. My friend had died two months earlier. Pretty, I'm pretty broken up about that. I feel like I've just abandoned all of my buddies who I was leading. And all of a sudden I left them without a, a replacement. I just had to go because that's just how it is, right? I arrive at this command um, and uh, just all of a sudden I'm just just right running into the younger part of what was the, the tail end of the millennial generation. Right. And I was in charge of this group of kids. I mean, cool sailors, I mean, and, and, and airmen and Marines and whatnot. It was a joint service command, but I had this 18 year old kid walk in and I remember jokingly, I was like, Hey, I need to see your parents' permission slip. So I know that you're allowed <laughs> to be here. And, and, uh, <laughs> he just kind of looked at me like blank faced. Right. And, and, um, and he just, he had no common sense, right? He's 18. I don't expect him to have any common sense, but, they had to this, you have to do this physical fitness test twice a year in the Navy, right? So you have to do a run, push-ups and sit-ups. Every, every twice a year, you had to do these tests. They're, they're kind of changing now, but that was the standard. And you got to pass it. And they had this thing called a, a, a bad day policy where if you failed it, you had till the end of the week to try it again. And if you failed it, then it was done, right? Well, this kid walks into the office and I used to be in charge of this. It was an 1,800-person command and I was the command fitness leader. So I was in charge of make, doing all of those tests for people. And then I had just finished that job and came back into working as, in this analyst shop. And this kid is in the office there. And, um, oh, my, one of my junior sailors comes to me and said, hey, uh, chief, um, we our whole department's done all of the fitness tests, but so-and-so failed. And I was like, okay, let me see him. And so I pulled him in the office. I was like, all right, dude, when are you redoing the test? And he goes, oh, I'm just going to take the fail. Oh, and man. I remember, I remember I, I pounded my fist on that desk so hard. I was yeah. like, I was like, I was like, what did you say? Yeah. And, like, and he like, his eyes got all big and I was like, I will not accept failure in my office. And the, he was like the little kid, the kid was freaking out at me. Right. And he yeah. was, and I was like, I was like, why are you accepting failure? Why would that even be an option for you? And it was weird because it just hadn't really crossed his mind that there was any repercussions for accepting that. And I was like, I don't care what happens in your career in the Navy. Honestly, whether you stay in the Navy or you get out, I don't care. Yeah. However, you but you cannot as an individual accept failure as something that is an is an okay thing in your life. You cannot accept that. I was like, so when are you retaking your test? And he's like, on Friday. I was like, okay, so here's what's gonna happen. I'm going to run it beside you, and you are not just gonna pass, but you are gonna destroy the score that you just did. And his yeah. eyes were scared, even bigger. He's like, I don't like to run any faster. I went and ran it with him and he cut two and a half minutes off his time and totally smashed the score, right? What the hell? It's because he was just lazy. And so I was like, and and you can, and that's, and so when he's sitting there, I was like, so what did you, what did you learn from this? And then it was interesting. It still hadn't really gone through his head what was happening at the moment. And I was just like, all right, this is going to be, have to be those repeated attacks on this kid. I'm going to have to be like, really pound this sort of thing into him. But I was like, and then it was that moment that it dawned on me. I was, I was like, I can't do it off of one event. This has to be a long-term mentorship for this kid because he doesn't see this, the world the same way that I do. I see the world through the eyes of a, of a dude that joined nine, joined right after nine 11. Yeah. And a, and a dude that basically almost got stabbed at school all the time. Right. He sees it from the standpoint of, yeah, we were at war. That wasn't my issue. You know, I, I, I want to pay for my college when I get out kind of mentality. And I'm like, it's nothing wrong with either one of those mentalities. But if they're converging in one space, we've got to come to some kind of agreement of what it means to have self-worth. Right. Yeah, um, I'm glad that 
he joined the service. I mean, imagine what his life might be like if he did not. Like he would just go accept failure for everything he's done. If he didn't have a mentor like you to like bust his ass and show you that it's possible to get out of the weeds, you know, like he would just accept yeah. failure. Where, where does that lead you? That leads you nowhere, man. It leads you down a very depressing life. Like what? What's why, why even live then? If failure yeah. is like, if you're okay with failing, like ah, uh, whatever, or, or or not realizing that you're the thing that that not realizing that every moment of your life is an opportunity as a for a potential growth, right? And you can that's I'm not trying to be cheesy. It just you, you don't you don't see it in the day to day because it is that that the discipline of the daily activities that really makes you grow over time, right? Because you don't lose weight in one day you don't become muscular in one day you don't become smart in one day it, it takes place over time yeah but you yeah and you learn things on the journey hard, right yeah like some, so, sometimes the journey is more important than the finish line for sure no i mean there's so the way that we used to refer to that as being a destination hiker or being an experiential hiker and an experiential hiker is the individual that is there for the hike a destination hiker is there because they're trying to just get to the mountain and and be done with it and you can view the world in both those ways. Sure. However, the experiential hiker is the person that's going to be growing from the experience. But I mean, you can make the same argument the other end, but at the same time, it's a lot of those guys aren't even going on the hike at all. Right. And that's, that's really the problem. It's like, you're not even trying to be either one of those things. You just see a mountain and you're like, I'll go around. It takes me, it'll take me longer and it won't get me anywhere. But um, that really was the, I mean, there's a lot of takeaways you could get from that, but, but you know, but it, but also, I mean, growing up, I did a lot of martial arts and that really molded a lot of my mentality as well, just because of the nature of it, you know, Do you still so practice? I had a hard time relating. Uh, I mean, since I've had kids, it's hard, you know, yeah. I, I wish I could, I really wish I could. I love martial arts. Yeah. Um, did a ton of it when I was a kid. Um, I, I don't, that was started because my, I had, my brother got jumped and then my grandparents were like, we won't want all the same thing happening to him. So they put me That'll in. That'll do it. Yeah, they put me in martial arts, and so that started a pretty long road down a, a lot of martial arts training. Do you think that has so. something to do as well with you joining the service? I know you wanted to get the top secret f folders, but yeah, martial uh, arts. Play? I wanted the goods, right? I wanted to find the pyramids. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it part of it. I mean, my grand, but both of my grandfathers fought in World War II. My grandfather, one grandfather, was a colonel in the Air Force. Yeah. Um, he has like two silver stars. I mean, he was a fighter pilot in World War II. But then uh, I, I didn't, actually didn't want to join the military at all. I hadn't really contemplated it. I, I thought it was kind of like something people did that couldn't find something better to do with their life. Kind of a messed up way of thinking about it. But that was kind of like more or less the mentality back then. They were like, you don't join the military unless you're out of options. And yeah. and I was like, yeah, yeah. And then, but my best friend was, he was his like grandfather's dying wish was for him to go to the Naval Academy. And I was always like, all right, good on you, dude. Uh, but should. then... <laughs> Um, he, he, he had this, his story is crazy. Like he ended up trying to get in and he got there and they told him he was medically ineligible and sent him home. And it was crazy. Long story. What What was wrong with his medical? So, uh, yeah. So it's a lot, his, his issue was he has this thing called uh Dwayne syndrome. Basically muscles didn't develop properly in the right side on the outside of his, let's see, left eye. And so when he turns, when he looks left, his left eye won't move to the left. He has to turn his head, yeah. which he got a waiver for. It wasn't a big deal. And he had, three surgeons or three physicians be like, yeah, it's fine. No big deal. He doesn't. Cause one of the side effects of that particular type of that Dwayne syndrome is, is that you have double vision. 
but he okay. never had double vision. So, but he also didn't get a, a congressional appointment to the Naval Academy. You can't just go there after you, you have to get accepted, plus get an, an appointment from a congressman or a senator. Gotcha. And and so he didn't get those. So he went to the Naval Academy Preparatory School, which is a preparatory school you go to for a year. No college credits. It's just a prep school for the Naval Academy. Went to that for a year. And then he gets there, and then the night they arrive, they do a vision check, and they were like, oh, you have oh. Dwayne Syndrome. You're medically ineligible. Have a good day. That's some bullshit. Yeah, totally. And so wow. um, so after right after uh, I'd been living overseas for a little while, and then I came home, and my buddy was like, hey, let's go talk to the recruiters. I mean, you speak Japanese. Let's go learn. Maybe you could learn another language. And I learned about this thing. So I went down with him to the recruiting station just for – just on a whim to be like, okay, well, what's going on? What is this all about? And when we went into the recruiting station, uh, talked to the, the, the recruiter and he told us about the defense language Institute, which is a school in Monterey, California, where you can learn foreign languages. And he's like, yeah, dude, you got it. It's a really hard test. We got to do all this stuff. And I was like, and my, my buddy was like, dude, let's just take the test and see if we can do it. And I was like, all right. So we took the ASVAB, which is the basic military test. Yeah. And then I scored, we scored high enough on that to qualify us to take the language test. And then we took the language test and they're like, dude, nobody passes this thing, which wasn't true. They're, <laughs> just, they're just used to dealing with really unintelligent people. And so um, he and I both like crushed it. And so he awesome. was like, he was like, I've never seen this happen before. And so they're freaking out. <laughs> and, um, and You're so welcome. then, and then, but that was like, that was August of 2001. And I was like, cool, man, are you going to try and go? Cause I, I mean, I'm just oh, going to sit shit. on it. August of 2001. Yeah. That was when oh, we were no. doing it. And we were like, oh, I don't know if we'll do it. And I was like, yeah, I'll think about it. So then I was, I just started my um, sophomore year of college and I was just going to school. And then one day he called me. I was like, dude, do you need to turn the TV on? And that was nine eleven. Yeah. Yeah. And so then I went right back to the recruiting station. And I remember it's funny. I remember it was that same week walked in and I was like, dude, I, I, I'm thinking about coming in now. The guy's like, better come in quick, man. This is going to be over fast. I remember him. I remember the recruiter saying that he's like two months tops. And I was like, huh. yeah. you know, that was literally America's <laughs> longest war. He was talking about, yeah, like, man, yeah it'll be over months. fast, bro. Um, yeah. And so I did something called delayed enlistment where I signed. I actually did my oath of enlistment and then I didn't join for another nine months because I had plans to go work as a river guide on the Colorado. All right. Um, um, up in Moab, lived in an abandoned steakhouse for like four months. And great. It was awesome. Anyway, that oh, was the man. plan. I was like, I'm going to finish this because this is like a, this is like a life goal slash rite of passage in my family is you got to go be a river guide so then i went and did that and then i went to boot camp and uh spent the and then but it was like it was like all those little steps happened but really the kick in the pants was 9 11 that was 100 percent the reason why i joined the, the war effort because i was like look this is my generation's call to arms and i'm, I'm gonna answer I, i'm not gonna be I, I will i will i will be not just remiss i will regret it my entire existence if i don't do this Listen, and, man, 9-11, like that moment right there is the moment when everyone in this country banded together. Like no one gave a fuck if you were Republican, Democrat, like no, it was everyone amazing. banded together. It was crazy. It reminds me of, uh, have you heard of Project Bluebeam? No, what's that? Oh, you haven't heard of Project Bluebeam? Um, who was it? I think it was Reagan who was talking about this, but essentially if there is a greater power, like an alien that is threatening human life every country would come together and forget our differences. So Project Bluebeam was going to be like almost this fictitious. They, they essentially started, the world starts it themselves, you know, 
So everyone bands together and they just kind of act like there's aliens coming. So there can be like uh, one world yeah. government like that. Got it. Yeah. yeah that's project. Blue okay. Beam. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, nine 11, I, I, it was kind of, it was a horrible moment, but it was a beautiful moment. I remember driving down the highway and big old American flag hanging off yeah. the top of the highway and stuff you don't see nowadays, unless you're at a Trump rally, you know what exactly. I mean? Like, so strange, so, which is horror, which is sad that it's like, that that's what you would equate it with nowadays as opposed to back then it didn't matter everybody was like whatever dude whatever You're we proud. gotta do to unify this country it's awesome yeah um and so that was why it was that was why i was like until i set foot in iraq i was like i'm not doing my part and even yeah. when i was in the military i was like until i set foot in iraq or wherever i'm not i haven't done my duty yet so and it was weird the second i got uh second i got home from that deployment i was like all right I feel good. I don't, I felt this huge lit weight lifted off me. Cause I felt like I'd finally contributed. Um, kind of a crazy thing, but that, I think that was my grandparents and me too many world war two stories. <laughs> world war two. What a crazy time, man. World war two. Yeah. Like that. Yeah, man. Um, storming the beaches of Normandy. Yeah. Dude. I couldn't, I I'm, couldn't imagine, man. Now my grandpa, so both my grandparents fought in the Pacific theater and one of them, so my grandfather, that was a fighter pilot, was based out of Darwin, Australia, and he fought uh, Japanese Zeros the entire war. Holy shit! He flew a P thirty eight. So he would, whenever they would come down to bomb the Australians, he was always he would jump in his P thirty eight and go fight them. And then my other grandfather, he flew over the hump in India in his B seventeen, and was part of a group <laughs> called the Flying Tigers, and he was he was bombing the Japanese on the other side. That is wild. And, um, yeah, which is crazy because then I later ended up learning Japanese. And <laughs> I, I just got back from Japan. I went in December for the first Where'd time. You go? Ever. Uh, I went. I started off in Tokyo, and then I went down to Osaka. Um, I went to Hiroshima. Nice. Kyoto. I used to live in Hiroshima. You did? Yeah. That's ironic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've lived. Um, I lived where they built the bomb. Oh my I God. lived I lived on Ford Island where the war started. Yeah. And I lived right next to where they dropped the bomb. What the hell? What is that all about? I don't know. I, I blame that. That's why, that's why I uh, lost my I hair. Would... Yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> just seems like the universe speaking, man. That's that's too yeah. coincidental. Yeah, that's pretty weird. Yeah, especially <laughs> I mean, I li- living on Ford Island was weird because I lived right next to the USS Arizona. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool though. I mean, and then I uh and then later on I got to go inside of a lot of those for different work I was doing. I got to go inside the labs that I knew I growing up I could see them in New Mexico and be like, well, that's where they built this is where they built the bomb. And I was like, Well, this is you know, and then they have these different facilities there. I was able to actually go inside and I was like pretty excited about having like almost that not full circle, but seeing every stage of that. So <laughs> Literally definitely carried with me. There's probably know? a small percentage that has done what you've done i wonder what yeah, that I, is <laughs> yeah i don't know that's that's Just i don't you. know what club that is that's a weird club <laughs> yeah. Yeah. i wanted I, to I'm probably uh, the only to, member of that club i think so too man i wanted to circle back with you something that we touched on earlier we were talking about social media and there it's like like a psychological warfare like when you're looking at social media you're tapped into something and your thoughts are almost not your thoughts, right? So how do we, 
how do you get back to like a homeostasis? What what does that look like? What does yeah. a, what does a mind look like that is not being influenced by social media? And then like uh, immediately when you were talking about it, my mind went to like tribes, like deep tribes in in the Amazon that have no idea what a cell phone is or anything. Like that well, is the purest. There there's I think it's I think it here's so here's the difference is when we started combining news with social media like on Facebook. Yeah. That's that's really when it started to become uh, uh that was really when it became the worst part is when you started associating different things. I mean, cuz I didn't I stopped using Facebook in like 2007. Yeah, same and, here. Um and uh and then I turned it back on when I got out of the navy and I was like, okay, I need to create some accounts for my author stuff, right? And um, I I was like, okay, let's see what this is, what's all this about. And I opened it, and I was like, whoa! And it just all, I, all that was twenty twenty, just dumped all over the screen. And I was like, <laughs> like everybody's <laughs> feelings everywhere. And I yeah, was like, man. this was this was never what this was about. What happened, no. man? And what it what for me? There's so recently the founder, the creator of Instagram, I forgot his name. He created um, a new app called um uh artifact and what artifact does is it it's kind of like uh they're trying to basically revamp the way that you ingest news in a way yeah. that's more it, it's more efficient the problem is with other social media is you're getting your news but you're getting your news mixed in with your vices and so you're that's really where the problem is, is like, think about, think about like how many you're looking at Instagram and you're like, okay, that's information. I mean, you follow a dude that's posting like, like I, I like to, when I first turned, turned it on, I was like, oh, James Webb space telescope. Cool. <laughs> Cause you right. know, I'm still, the, <laughs> still the cool kid I was. So I'll be like, oh, right on, you know? And then all of a sudden it starts adding these other things. It's like, well, everybody else likes this garbage. I think you'll like it too. Let's see. Right. Let's right. see how long it takes for you to bite on this. And then all of a sudden it's, it's starting to push you into the areas of like, like adult content and, or it pushes you into highly political stuff. And, and so what like artifact, for example, I'm not promoting the app or anything like that, but obviously, but uh, unless they want to pay me, I guess, but uh, they, uh, <laughs> artifacts, I, I have no, yeah. So anyway, what they, they, there's no, the social media element is how do we have conversations about these news articles? Yeah. But you can still directly access the news article reference to what it is, but it's tied in with what you're interested in. And the thing is, is what we need to get back to is almost it's antithetical to the benefit of what these companies want these apps for. And that's the hard part because the, the, the algorithms are designed around getting you to stay on, on there and to constantly move and scroll. They need you doing that because that keeps you on. It allows advertising to be more efficient and it allows you to, it allows them to gather informa information about what is causing you to be more excited because your dwell time is what determines all of that, right? When the and product is that, free, you are the product. Totally, 100%. You are the product. And <laughs> yeah. But once again, like I said, it's the data. The, you're a product because it's collecting on you. Yes. The pro so here, and there's two sides to this. It's a double-edged sword. Advertising is like surgical nowadays. You know, you'll get something and be like, actually, that's something I would totally dig. And I have to fight it not to save it or look at it. I'll just push it because I'll be like, nope, I would really want that. Next. <laughs> Or I just shut the app off, right? Um, but <laughs> get out of my head. But, and 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 so it's hard because as the benefit of that is, for example, if I'm advertising my book yeah. on Facebook, I want it to find those individuals that are really into that type of book. 
I want that oh, because then shit. I I can find my audience. How else am I going <laughs> to yeah. find them? Yeah. You know. And then the other end of it is, but at the same time, I don't want I. You don't want it to like constantly be manipulated. The, the happy balance is so removing these other. Just give in. No, 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 <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> Yeah, it's it, it, it's one of those it's those things that you've got to recognize what is the what you're benefiting from it, and being able to not to take everything in moderation, and that is a discipline thing that is hard when you have it in in the palm of your hand, and so there's almost like detox periods you got to go on, you know, yeah, make it okay because once you turn it off, you realize. I think the real the other trick is uh, I was with one of my little cousins a little while back for at a funeral. And I remember hearing them say, I remember hearing them say specifically about, uh, that app be real. And they said, I haven't missed a day yet. I'm not going to miss one now. The hell is be real. Oh, uh, be real is an app where you can, um, basically you get this timer and the screw it, it's only allowed for the group of people that have allowed you in there and you have to commit to being real it's once a, a day. <laughs> basically. Uh, no, it, 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 a timer will go off on it and gives you notification and it's that's your moment to be real and you basically have to go up and take a picture of yourself and uh doing whatever it is you're doing at that moment when they send it to you and it takes a picture of what you're looking at and yourself and then what? all the other friends in your group get to see you being real right and it's just like a different type of social media is what is the way this app works right oh my god but, but the the thing that they said was like and this is another thing is like apps will build in timers or not timers, but the tick counts is saying how many days in a row you've consecutively done something and you don't want to break it. So now you're enslaved and they want that. Yes. I mean, that's, I mean, Snapchat, I think has the same thing, right? I've never actually touched Snapchat, but um, has a feature that allows it basically shows how many you've done or consecutively and it gives you rewards for it. I, I mean, it's like, it, it's literally Pavlovian. They're feeding us cookies, you know, waiting for us to salivate. And you're, you're addicted by the time that you even get like go through puberty. Yeah. Like, well, you, I mean, if you allow yourself to, right? or you allow something, I mean, I like, I think that's, once again, it's like you're limited in things in moderation. And then that's the other problem with like the way that we can watch shows. You can binge it. It wasn't as big of an issue with us when we were kids because everything was on a timer. You can only watch TV at a certain time. Um, True. If you if you yeah, weren't if you home at that show, moment, you missed the show, man. You missed uh, the you show, dude. You're gonna have to wait it. for it to be on syndication this summer. You know? Hell yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's the only way to catch any of it. And then then they came out. Then TiVo and being yeah. able to DVR things changed all that, right? And when then TiVo it, and then came it out. I was like, wait, wait, wait. You can stop live TV so the actors stop acting when I push this button. Like, what are you talking yeah. about? This is so yeah. foreign. I tried the v- the timer VCR thing. I could never figure that one out. <laughs> and then, then I all my tapes yeah. were like the movies that I wanted anyway. I was like, I'm not recording over Terminator Two. You know, I only got Hell the one no. copy. Nope, blasphemy. You know what I miss, yeah. man? I miss Blockbuster. I think everybody. Yeah, it's funny how nostalgic everybody's getting about it now. Is that what totally. it is? Is it just nostalgia? You think, or do I actually miss it? Like, I feel like I'm, I miss going. Well, I think it was. To that I think store. what we miss, what we miss, is the routine. And the uh, the feeling associated with anticipation by the routine, because you would go there, you'd spend time looking around with your friends. It had a smell to it, you know, and they then you it, would yeah. be like, I don't know what movie I'm going to watch. And then you'd pick yeah. one and then you'd go you'd grab food or whatever. And then you go chill at a friend's house and watch a movie like that. I would I would rent video games with my friends and we'd go come back and we'd have like that was why the jam, is that so right? romanticized? It, th- that's what it is. It's romanticized, man. Like I it totally that. is. 
and I don't because well, you I, couldn't, like I said, you couldn't. It, it was the closest thing we had to being able to control your entertainment directly. Yeah, and then so for I me, it was like a movie theater though, but I don't get the same vibe from that at all. Like I don't miss going to the movies. I could still go to the movies, but I don't. Yeah, I think it's. I think we uh, Americans in general we do a good job of taking something and being like, "Oh, you like that a little bit? How about all the time?" <laughs> and you can have it everywhere, everywhere you're you right. go all the time. You're right. And and um and oh, is that a vice? Let me make this completely available to you every moment of your life. <laughs> all and we don't, in the palm and we don't know hand. how to pump the brakes on that. And then the interesting thing also about that is you don't. We have a we do we're terrible about being like. Hey, you know what? Um, I don't want you doing that here. And then people come back and they say, "Yay, hey, you're you're being." <laughs> then they they people scream at you like, "Hey, why are you trying to stymie this or limit it?" When you're like, "Oh, people that recognize the problem with it." And there's like, because it, effectively it is gluttony, you know. Uh, right. And, and that's it. You can go back into other like Judeo-Christian ar- arguments about that, but it and the truth is that there's but there's a reason why we should take things in moderation is because we really aren't designed to have everything at our fingertips all the time we just evolutionarily we're just not designed that way we're supposed to be striving and fighting for things as hunter gatherers or whatever because if you've evolved as a species that way for thousands of years and then suddenly you change it we didn't change our dna exactly man no we haven't and so we don't find our satisfaction and our our true satisfaction from things comes from the work and so that's why some people that are like, Hey dude, how can you work like all day long and, and, you know, just be happy that way. I'm like, I'm content working. I feel happy when I've accomplished something. And then I lay my head at the end of the night and I'm smoked. Well, that's why these trust fund kids, man, that have all this money are usually like depressed as fuck because they didn't have to work for anything. No, it means nothing. It means no meaning behind it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it, I and I I know that that quote by uh, you know John Adams where he I believe it was John Adams where he talks about you know we learn we learn war and strategy and politics so that our children can study architecture and uh, and sculpting or it's like a study architecture and and um, they can they can they can learn how to um, like literature and things like that so their children can be artists and whatnot. And it's like you're basically trying to make it better for every generation before you, and that's why you want the hardship. But at the same time, that struggle is the is the, is the the are in our DNA. It, it completely. And when we deny that, we find ourselves just be that gluttony is something that doesn't work well with us. Yeah, man, you had brought up something, and it. this is this is a common thing that's said amongst parents is you know my my childhood was kind of rough. I don't want my kids to be rough. I understand that. But at a point, aren't you kind of glad that your life was kind of fucked up? It made you a it made you a strong individual, man. It, it I'm sure it taught you a ton. And if you yeah. if you it's, like, go ahead. I agree. No, I, I know where you're going with this, and I I completely agree. There's elements within that that I I want my children, I want my children to have what they need, and then fight for what they want. Yes. Yes. At the same time, I I want them to have the struggles and difficulties in life, yes. but I don't want them to be struggles because of something that could have been avoided. And it's a lesson that's learned because of it's like it's it's a double edged sword. You don't it, want it anything is. bad it to happen is. to your kids, but then then you're in the whole finding Nemo conundrum. You know, if you don't want anything bad to happen, then nothing ever will. You know, right? Um, 
right? And and yes, that is that is the dilemma. I do, would I raise my children in the same neighborhood in the same environment that I was right. raised? Absolutely not, because I and um, it wasn't just. I mean, so many different levels of reason why I wouldn't do it's that. It's interesting if you're not tested, you don't. Sometimes you'll never know what your potential is. Like sometimes you have to find yourself in that very stressful, difficult situation, and something just emerges out of you that you didn't even know that you had. It just it just comes out. Yeah. And on a different, a lot of different levels. And so there's a part like there, I mean, as I look back in different moments when I'm, there's moments when I'm like proud of how well I fought through something. And there's other moments where I'm still like, even to this day, embarrassed about them. Right. Cause I'm like, I could have been better. I could have done something better. And, but me even feeling that small element of shame is motivating. Right. Yeah, I don't want to feel that then... shame all the time. I, I'm not so much. I, well, not. It, it's a little bit of embarrassment. It, I wouldn't call it shame necessarily. I guess it is shame or embarrassment. I mean, I've done dumb things. But, but you have the experience and the thought process now that if you ever saw yourself in that situation again, you wouldn't make that mistake because you felt the shame. So and it's here's, like, okay, yeah, so here's, here's always something about that. Yeah. Is, is yes and no. Yes. If I'm making a, making a cognitive decision every day to make sure that I'm remembering them. Otherwise they just become memories. Oof. Yeah. Right. Interesting. So, yeah. Like and here's, here's an example. Um, okay. So right after I was moving out of, uh, I had to leave San Diego and I was moving to Hawaii and I was driving yeah. with my family um, on the eight towards Phoenix. We're going to go visit some relatives and um, we were coming around the bend past a place called Buckman Springs, just outside of San, a little bit out of San Diego. My my daughter, well, I had one daughter at the time, and she was asleep in the back. And usually, if she fell asleep, it was like, "Cool, drive as long as we can, <laughs> right? Okay. And uh, don't stop, just keep going." And All right. <laughs> um, we came around this bend, and some cars were slowing down. There was dust in the air, and there was an overturned truck in the highway, in the middle of the highway, and. Um, I pull up and I think we were like the fourth or fifth vehicle there. And uh, I remember I was driving up and I looked over and in the back of my mind, the whole time, I'm just like, hope I can just get through here, keep my daughter asleep, just keep about her business, mind my, own, mind my own business. Well, there's like this dude, this body laying in the road. And oh, I, remember I, looked up, I glanced over at it and I, I just, my mind was totally on like the whole like, man, bummer, let's keep going. Yeah. And my wife hit me and she's like, you've had training, go get out of the car. <laughs> and I, at that moment I was mad at myself. I was like, why wasn't that my first thought? So because I was like, you're, you're right. with your so family. I, well, that's, I mean, you're like, I got, I'm with my family. I got to take care of this. This is my priority is my family taking care of this. Right. At the same time, yeah. like, but, and also you never think you're going to be like a relatively first responder on a scene. Right. Um, as much as I, I mean, I was a lifeguard and did things like that when I was younger, but I was like, you know, and I had, I did have a lot of military, like, like medical training. Um, and so, yeah, then I ended up in the middle of dealing with this whole triage like situation with these, this dude and his son. Right. And, uh, that went on for like 45 minutes, but, at, but then, I mean, I, I don't want to get into the gritty details of it, but later on down the road, um, I was driving to work in Hawaii and this dude swerves in front of me, cruises up the side of the road then cuts left goes across the highway and slams head first into an suv Whoa. in the other lane like right head there first yeah yeah dude, dude was done oh, like right then man. right 
Like yeah. uh, the, apparently the guy had had a heart attack while he was driving. And oh, just Jesus. Ended up just driving straight into an oncoming SUV on the other side of the highway. Well, yeah. and then wow. Hawaii on the H H two, there's a, a, there's a bunch of grass and trees and stuff. He went through all of that, nailed these other guys. And my, my first instinct was how do I stop? And then the other one was just, dude, you're on a highway, keep going. You're not supposed to stop in the middle of a highway because you could create another accident. For sure. And then, but the back of my mind was mad at myself for not finding a way to get back over there. But I was like, dude, if I went to the next exit and turned around, I'd have been like the 12th, 15th car back there and I wouldn't have been able to get on scene. And I was like, it's like one of those things, but that's always in my mind. Like I, an opportunity like that happens and you can say an accident like that happens. And for me, it's always like, it's an opportunity to have done something. You have to make the decision in that moment to be like, I'm going to actively and be proactive about Did it. Did the military do that to you to make you think like that? Like, oh man, I should have gone back and done that. Or have you always like been like that? Like after the fact, you you think, oh man, I should have, I should have probably done something. So I was, I was a pretty weak little kid and I, uh, I mean, I was, I had my nerdy elements to me, but I mean, I was athletic and whatnot, but I did, I got made fun of a lot. I'm not, this is going to like, here's my boohoo story, right? Here's my, <laughs> play the, play the music and let's talk about how hard my childhood was. Okay. So do that. yeah, do it. You know, but like, yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, so I, I did, I got made fun of a lot, but I was also really scared because, oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Nice. So no, I, I mean, so living where I lived, I mean, you got that because of your, whether it be because I was um, uh, a white kid or because of the, there were gangs or whatever it was. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I was always afraid that I was going to get the crud kicked out of me. And I was, um, <clears throat> so I was, uh, I always had that in the back of my mind that I needed to, I needed to fill a void because I yeah. wasn't enough. And so I was like constantly like, if I don't learn, if I'm not the smartest kid in the class um, or if I'm not, I'm not the smartest kid in the class or I'm not, uh, or I don't train hard enough. I'm not going to be able to compensate for this. And, uh, martial arts taught me, like I got into martial arts and in the beginning, you're like, I hope I can learn this well enough to where someday it can help me. And then you get to a point where you're so, you get good enough at it where you're like, I hope I never have to use this cause I don't want to actually hurt somebody. Yes. And then yes. you get to the point where you're like, you're, you're, you're so far beyond that. You're like, I can, I can talk my way out of most every situation. And now I'm street smart enough to never have to be in a situation where I have to do that. But I also know it's where I can have the control where I can totally end a situation as quick as I can and get out of there. Right. Um, but all of that, then that's when I got to the point where like, okay, now that I know all this and I am where I am, if somebody else needs it, I can help them. And that's always been where I'm in my gotcha. like, Cause I don't want them to be that kid, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's, that's a bit cliche, but it's the truth. Like it, it, it was always about like, now that if I'm in a position to help other people, I want to do it. And so that, that's why the military kind of made sense. But, um, it, it, it did, it made sense, but also it, everything just seems like it. it was not so much. It was happening for a reason, but if you have these skills and you're not using them, they are going to degrade. They're perishable. So retain them. So what do you currently do right now? Present day. For work or just in general? I guess both. Let's start with work. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, author, consultant, technically, but then I also work with drone companies. Drone? Um, yeah. Hell yeah. Like with okay. robotic systems and artificial intelligence. Okay. Yeah. And it's an extension of what I was doing when I was the last part of my career. Right. Um, it it I, I really enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. 
um, I wish I had more time to do more martial arts and things like that. But for me, it's like fitness and things like that is so that in case I need to do anything like my standard when I was, when I was working out was always like, can I carry every member of my family if I need to? It's a weird standard, but <laughs> I was always like, savage. Jesus. If, if that's, if there's a fire and I have to grab people, I am going to yeah. be able to grab them, you know, not leaving anybody if, behind. If an EMP got more kids, hits, and they got bigger, coming over, like, man. <laughs> What's that? So if an EMP hits, I'm coming your way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That was, that was, my wife was like, that's a really, she said that too. She said, that's the word standard. I was like, if there's a, but I was like, if you, if you're, if you're knocked out, how am I going to get you out? That is a weird standard. <laughs> okay, yeah. okay. I probably fit four on my shoulders. Okay. No, I mean, well, I was like, good thing my daughters are skinny, you know, um, I'll be dragging them by their arms and my wife on my back, you know, <laughs> you already um, got it figured out. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I'll scrub that knees, but they'll make it. They'll be yeah. all right. You know, yeah. That's cool. <laughs> as, long as, as long as I'm not grabbing them by their ankles and banging their head on the ground. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. Yeah. That's a, I mean, that's a funny standard, but it's like, it totally always was. It was like, if I absolutely had to do something, you know, I think it's a but good mindset. I- it's realistic. Like if something goes down, you want to be prepared. I'm, I'm usually like that on airplanes and public transportation. Like if something happens, like what's my route, I'll, I'll think of that stuff right when I sit down and think about where I need to go. If something were to happen, I guess I don't, it's just in me, like every public situation I look, make sure that I can get out. Like what's my best route. Okay, good. I have it. Yeah. Well, that's just good situational awareness. Like, yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. You got a good essay. Nice. <laughs> that's what it's called. It's called an essay. Essay? Yeah. Not like essay, but like essay. essay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's my childhood. <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah. Full circle. What do you say we end it there, Jim? It's been an hour cool. and a half. That was a pleasure talking to you, man. Yeah, for sure. You have a lot of knowledge. It was super cool. I appreciate it. Um, If you have any books that are out or coming out like go ahead and chill out some of your social network if you have them books oh sure anything on amazon yeah thanks man yeah so uh once again my name is jl hancock i wrote the i've written a book called the hawk enigma and it was kind of loosely based it's fiction but it's kind of loosely based on some of the work i did when i was with the special operations community uh you can find it on amazon it's a book it's about uh, a military dude who has a little bit of has a bit kind of bad case of post-traumatic stress. And he has these dreams every night, reliving an event that happened to him when he was in combat. And then one night he starts hearing these prophetic voices warning him of the future. And he's convinced that he's losing his mind. And then he uh, suddenly finds that he may not be as crazy as he thinks he is. Um, And then, uh, so yeah, you can find out that books on Amazon or anywhere else that books are sold. Barnes and Noble, uh, Roku, all that, or not Roku, (laughs) Um, uh, Kobo Rakuten. There you go. Why'd you say Roku? uh, Yeah, I know. I was trying to say, instead of Roku, I was thinking Rakuten, which is what Kobo comes from, right? So um, anyway, so anywhere books are sold, uh, social media is at author JL Hancock. You can find me on uh, uh, Instagram, Facebook, and all that other good stuff. Awesome. Jim, thanks, man. That was a fun conversation. We went through a lot of aspects and different. A lot of random things. And... <laughs> I can't wait to listen to this myself because you said a lot, but a lot kind of went over my head just because you're so intelligent. So I'm going to go over this for a second time. And everyone at home, hope you had a good time. Thanks for listening. Jim, thanks again, man. Appreciate you. Right on. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye.